Uh, last time I talked, I talked about the first chapter of Colossians and it talked about who and how and the eminence of Jesus Christ is and what he is and what he is to us. This chapter, uh, Paul is talking about how Jesus is going to apply to them as people. And one of the things that's been going on in the, in the area of Colossae is the fact that people are starting to form change in how Paul or how the ministers that Paul has sent, because Paul has never been there or seen these people. And they have taken Christianity and they've taken some of the Jewish philosophies from the law and they also have started to take some of the uh, philosophy just of, the, of daily life. And they started, and uh, that was the beginning of what we know today as Gnosticism, or Gnosticism, I'm sorry. It's like what the devil wants. He would like there to be something so close. It's like I've said before, the half-truth. A half-truth is worse than a lie because there's some part of it that you know is true, the statement. But because the rest of the statement is a lie, it makes the whole thing untrue. And we as people, in our own need, a lot of times for our own comfort, we listen to things and all of a sudden we start to think about things and we get them brought into our way of thinking that comforts us. And if we go away from what the scripture says, we tend to trust in ourselves as opposed to trusting in the word of God. So let's listen to what Paul is saying to these folks and let's try to talk a little bit about it. Uh, starting with verse 1, and I'm going to go to the whole, through the whole chapter. I believe it's about 26 verses, 24 verses. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all those who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches, assured understanding, and have the knowledge of God's mystery. Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. I am saying this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world and not based on Christ. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You were also circumcised in him with the circumcision that is not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah. 
Having been buried with him in baptism, you, were, you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of death with its obligation that was against us and opposed us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them by him. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you in, in regard to food and drink or in matter of festival or in new moon or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what was to come. The substance is the Messiah. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on aesthetic practices and worship of angels claiming access to visionary realm and inflated without cause by his unspiritual mind. He doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons develops with growth from God. If you died with the Messiah in the, to the elemental forces of this world, why do you live as if you still belonged to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't touch, don't taste. All these regulations refer to what, has been what is destroyed by being used up. They are commands and doctrines of men. Although these have a reputation of wisdom by promoting aesthetic practices, humility and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. A lot of this is familiar. Why is this familiar? Because we have lived through a lot of these things that, that Paul is talking about, and how can that be? Paul's talking to the people that are in, in Colossae. He's talking to the people that he's never seen, but somehow he knows the human condition. He also knows from his own past, because where did Paul come from? He says even uh, in his writings, he was the Pharisee's Pharisee. He believed so strongly in the law that he put people to death because they believed in grace and mercy. He stoned them or had them stoned. He put them in prison. So what is he saying here? For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those in Laodicea, and all, for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love, so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. I don't know what the King James says there in that verse 2. Perhaps somebody could read verse 2 out of the King James that their hearts may be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, through the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ. Okay, so it's, a, it's different, but the mystery of God is what? The fact that folks at that time did not understand about Jesus. That Jesus was part of the Godhead. That Jesus came fully man, 
and fully God. And that he knew what we knew. He suffered as we suffer. He understood and perhaps suffered even more than how we suffer. Because knowing through the eyes of his father, God, all that's going on around him, how it must have been sorrowful for him and how it must have pained him. All the treasures and wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. Hidden in him, meaning he is the way, the truth, and the life. And we have to put ourselves in that place where we gain that knowledge. So he talks about that later in the chapter. I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. For I may be absent in the body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are and how the strength of your faith in Christ. So he's talking about what he's heard, the witness, eyewitnesses that have been there and have talked to these people and have converted these people and then somehow gotten back to Paul because Paul is in prison in Rome at this time. The thing about this is really interesting to me because he says, For I may be absent in body for you, but rejoicing to see how well ordered you are in the strength of your faith. This encourages someone who talks to people and converts people into the way of Christ. This is an encouragement to all who are speaking the word of God. To see people take this faith and, and become rooted and, and established and want to believe it and, and come to be part of a communion of saints. He says here, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. When we change the way that we think in our life, when we give up sin and start a new life in Jesus, we have a joy that those who are still yet sinners don't understand or don't comprehend. But we can't forget that the devil is there. He talks about that later. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world and not based in Christ. So what is he saying there? As you are traveling, and as you are moving through your life in Jesus, you have to be aware of all the things that are out there that are going to try to take you away. I remember when, when I was a youngster, there, uh, the old folks used to talk about the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I used to wonder, well, what is, why does my flesh have anything to do with that? Why would the flesh be something that would take me away from Jesus? Well... As I grew older and understood more, I mean, I think my flesh is the worst part because I would easily, most easily, want to please my flesh. What are some of the other elemental philosophies that are not based on Christ? We could talk about where we've come from in terms of our faith life, and those people who want to change the way we focus our faith on something different than what we know to be the truth. How it's presented, say for example. How someone can talk and say, uh, this is what you have to do, and this in order for you to become a part of this, this group, 
as he talks about later, don't touch, don't taste, don't feel, don't do this and don't do that, and when you don't do this and don't do that, you become righteous in yourself because you become a witness to those who are around you in your small community that you're good because you don't do this and you don't do that. But, we, but they forget that even in the words that they put out, they're taking away some faith part of that. They're taking away the opportunity for the belief totally in the work of Jesus and not in the work of their words. So that self-righteousness gets to be part of a tradition and that tradition gets to be ingrained in the society of those people that, that believe that way and they can be exclusionary. Well, Jesus isn't exclusionary. He doesn't exclude anyone. You know, we listened to a guy talk many years ago, and he's, his was saying that, you know, I know God loves me. He said, I'm the worst sinner in the world. I don't think there's anyone that's a greater sinner than I am. But one thing I know for sure is Jesus loves me. That doesn't give me an excuse to be a greater sinner, but I know what I am, and I know what Jesus has done. And you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You were also circumcised in him with the circumcision not done with hands, but by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of the Messiah. This is exactly what I was talking about. We put off our flesh. When we take on Jesus, we don't take on a physical act of circumcision. We take on a spiritual movement in understanding that we need to put away things that bother us, that are sin to us, that make us want to leave the kingdom of God, our flesh. Having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. What does this baptism signify here? This baptism signifies that when our sins are forgiven, we are washed in a way that, like Jesus was when he was put to death, he suffered and died, he went to hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead in his resurrection. We are raised up out of that baptism into a new life in Jesus. This is why there are a lot of uh, faiths that say that you can't be baptized unless, until you're an adult, until you have the age of reason, where you can literally decide, do you really want to believe? This is not to put into our, our discussion here this morning any credence on baptism, but this is the understanding that comes through this scripture that we read today about what the baptism in Jesus is. We're baptized in him through the blood that he shed. We're raised with him out of our sin life into a new body, into a new flesh, a new beginning. When Jesus says in John 3, he says to Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You have to become a new person, a figure of speech that can be literal just as baptism can be literal. 
And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. Why is Paul talking about this circumcision this way? Because everybody who has some Jewish heritage or knows the Jews knows about the physical circumcision that they have, that they've gone through. But Paul is talking about something entirely different. Having been buried with him in baptism, and you were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the circumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. So this is what's happened to us as new believers. He erased the certificate of death with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. This is an interesting statement because in, in, in one of the commentaries I read about this, uh, this was a formal thing that happened during Paul's time. If you were indebted to someone like we are today, we go and we sign loan papers. There's a document saying that we owe something. So Paul is talking about what we owe. What do we owe? Our life. We owe our life to who? To Jesus. And how do we get to him? We get to him by having him erase the certificate of death. The significance of it in this day was they could strike it out or they could nail it to a board. Why was Jesus nailed to the cross? He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly, triumphed over them by him. God triumphs over all those who are in unbelief and want his, his uh, demise by actually doing this, by actually putting Jesus to death and raising him up from the dead and creating a new life. He triumphs over death and the devil and the world, our flesh and everything evil. Therefore, let no one judge you in regard to food and drink and in matter of festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Of course, they had all these regulations and rules that they lived by, but think about it in our day. Think about how this applies to you and me in our time. What were the things that, they, that folks said that if you did this or you did that or you ate this or acted this way, you were condemned. You went to hell. And maybe if you were driving in your car and you thought some evil thought and got in an accident and died, you went to hell. That's not true. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink. The Catholics say don't, they don't eat fish on Friday. Why? It's tradition. I don't know the history of it, so I can't really expound on that. Drink. Well, we know as, from our heritage, as background, as, as Finnish people, what alcohol does. But is alcohol the sin? No. 
We are the sinners because we imbibe in it. We take it and we get drunk by it. But alcohol isn't a sin. In, or the matter of a festival or a new moon or Sabbath day. So, again, we don't, as uh, in our faith, we don't have these days where we judge other people if they don't partake in them. And we could actually look at the world today and say, well, what about Christmas? Christmas is a festival that's put out by the, by, by the world. We don't believe in, in all of that pomp and all that stuff that's out there in terms of, the, of, of what, what there is to look at because that's pleasing to what? My flesh. But what does it signify, that beauty? What does the beauty of all of that that we see around us that people are celebrating? It reminds us of the elemental thing that took place through Mary, the birth of our Savior. That is beautiful. So, of course, we celebrate and we look at that, but we don't judge that to be what is our Savior. These are a shadow of, the thi of what was to come. The substance is the Messiah. So all of these things that they put out and that they had as festivals and they did as a group, as people, as priests in their society were really, truly meaningless when they were celebrated without the fact that God was behind it all and that the Holy Spirit was part of everything there. Let no one disqualify you insisting on aesthetic practices of worship and the worship of angels claiming to a visionary realm and inflated without cause by his unspiritual mind. I understood this when I read this and I studied this would be that there are groups or churches that, protect, for, for example, pray to angels, pray to the Virgin Mary, as an emissary, there is no emissary between you and your Savior. No one is between you and your Savior. Because when you decided to believe that your sins were forgiven and asked Jesus to be part of your life, it's between you and Jesus. The only way Jesus gets to be an, an intermediary, if you will, is when he presents us to God on the last day when he says, these are the ones that you gave me. It says that in the Psalms. It says that throughout the Bible. Standing in front of our God on the last day, you and I will be part of the throng that Jesus tells his Father, these people believed in me. These people had their sins forgiven. These people are mine and yours. This person who does this, who gets in between you and your Savior, doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body is nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons and develops with the growth from God. Again, if you look at that uh, verse 19 in the King James Version, what does that read? And not hold in the head, from which all the body by joints and bands have nourishment ministered, and that together increaseth with the increase of God. 
Okay, this, this version says nourished. But what does he say from the whole body? Ministers, right? Now there's a difference between the two words, minister and nourished. We can look at the word nourished as food. But what the word minister to us is someone as that emissary coming back, our Jesus coming back and giving us peace and giving us solace and helping us move through our life and become more and more Christ-like. If you died with the Messiah to the elemental forces of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? So this is the Gnosticism that went on there. Why do you still live as though you belong to the world? Because all those things that they did traditionally had no faith value. They had no value in faith. They were just something you did. And when you did them, like we, I've said earlier, people around you see you doing them and they know, oh, there's a good Christian or there's a good believer. Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All those regulations refer to what, what is destroyed by being used up. There's nothing on this earth, nothing on this earth that you're going to take with you except your faith. No physical thing. Let's be strong in our faith. Don't, don't handle, don't touch. All these re regulations refer to what is destroyed by being used up. They are commands and doctrines of men. Although these have a reputation of wisdom by promoting aesthetic practices, humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are of no value in curbing self-indulgence. So the more you sacrifice, uh, there are people that in the past have burned themselves, made themselves a living sacrifice. That doesn't get them into heaven. Although these have a reputation of wisdom by promoting aesthetic practices, humility, and severe treatment to the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. So Paul is talking to the people in this letter. He basically says the same thing, I think, in chapter 4, four or 5 of Ephesians. He talks the same way to the Ephesians. Don't be caught up in what's out there in the world that's trying to move you towards what they want you to be believers in. Be caught up in Jesus Christ. Be believing in him. He is your savior. He will save you. Turn to him. Pray to him. Talk to him. Tell him your troubles. You know, he cares. We even sing a song about that. I know he cares. Yes, he cares. He cares for me so much that he let himself be crucified and killed for your sins and mine. So today when we come to the communion table and we celebrate this life of Jesus and what he did for us, remember 
that nothing in this world matters except for Jesus. We do have to live in this world. We have to work in this world. We have to earn money. We have to save money to live. But all of that is a gift from God through Jesus Christ when he is our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.